Are we live? Laura can't. <laughs> Is Laura doing her hair again? Laura, <laughs> well, sort of. She was sort of doing her hair. Um, she was actually just complaining because she has to wear these big headphones that now yeah. she's not going to be able to touch they her hair. They look stupid as well. Let's be real. Miller looks look stupid, Laura. Hi, everyone. Welcome. Hi. What do you guys oh, think okay. of Laura's headphones? They look cute. Yeah, they right? look dumb, don't they? They look dumb. And I can't purchase a microphone because there's no delivery of non-essential products. And weirdly, these were an essential product, so I got to buy them. They won't. You can't buy a microphone where? Online? Anywhere. You can't get deliveries that are non-essential in New Zealand, but you what? can get deliveries that are essential. So these were essential, so they were the only ones I could buy. Wait, so can you not order stuff from Amazon? No. Really? Not right. Not right now. Not until uh, I think maybe when they re reduce the lockdown, you can. Uh, but for now, it's just uh, essential only, and Amazon's just like not essential. I don't understand that at all. That is so not what's going on here. Every we're just all ordering everything online. Like I've been ordering. <laughs> not only do I order things from Amazon, I've been getting my groceries delivered, but those are essential, of course. But like yeah. I order. I mean, I'm still. Ha have my online shopping problem going <laughs> interesting but i ordered like uh i just i built i put together um up like a i'm, I'm gonna plant um snow peas because i want there to be like wow. vines you've really my... run out of shit to do huh no this is all part of my plan <laughs> to, this is the new me get used to it now i plant things <laughs> Um, oh, I, we but I, I, built, I ordered the planter online and put it together and I ordered this like I, I feel like I talked about this last week this like bench thing I'm redoing my like little balcony and I ordered like read fencing and put the fencing up but I ordered all of this online through like Amazon Home Depot Canadian Tire like wherever huh. I can I, I ordered soil uh... online from Home Depot I just, I just don't think you can, I mean, if anyone else is from New Zealand, maybe they can say. Somebody else just said that Amazon takes a month on non-essentials. That's not true. I've ordered stuff on Amazon that's definitely come within a month. Like, it takes longer than usual. It doesn't come, yeah. like, the next day or in two days, but yeah. it'll come within, like, a week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the headphones came in, like, a week. But... Doc Ross, where are you, Doc Ross, that it takes Amazon a month on non-essential? Amazon isn't a thing in New Zealand. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay. Uh, okay. So are you, is New Zealand on the same lockdown system as Australia? Because, mm. like, is there, are you on, like, do you have levels of lockdown? Is that what's happening there? Yeah, we're on level four lockdown. I, I believe it's a little bit more stringent than Australia, but I think maybe it was just enforced more clearly. And, I mean, it's a way smaller country. It was, like, enforced very rapidly and very clearly um, compared to Australia, which is, like, state-based, and there was very, a lot of confusion between the states. Um, yeah, I think New Zealand is more, slightly more, stringent than australia and um definitely has more less cases as a result um, okay yeah because i didn't because actually when i was interviewing mike the last interview that i did he said because he's in australia and he was like yeah. we're on level three lockdown and i was level like three. what what are these levels I don't so we're understand. on level four 
I don't, we don't have levels here. And you know what? Um, Canada and BC actually is doing really well. So I'm in BC. Vancouver is in BC, everyone. Um, <laughs> and we have been locked down for a month. Actually, literally a month, because I think it was March 16th. Yeah. I think we were. It was too. a Monday, um, or maybe it was the 17th right before or on St. Patty's Day that we went into lockdown. So all, you know, businesses mm. had to shut down and schools closed, et cetera, et cetera. But we seem to have flattened the curve. Um, and I okay, think we're what gonna... is going on with the protests over there? Oh, nothing. 12 people. Uh, 12, what are 12... they protesting though? The lockdown. So they think that it's like, government oppression um and you know i don't want to i don't want to mock people who have genuine concerns about civil liberties liberties. the first time anyone's used this word in their life they've not shut up about it these people these people are like the free speechy people and they they genuinely do care about civil liberties and freedom they're, I think they're, they, they're libertarians, right? So Some but of at them. the same time, and, well, and they're anti, anti-vaxxers. Not all of them, but I think. <laughs> That's right. I mean, they might all be anti-vaxxers. But at the same time, I mean, it's ridiculous. Like, Vancouver is fine. I live in Vancouver mm-hmm. every day. I go out for walks with my dog. I've gone for walks with friends. We just keep a distance. I, you know, went to the park with a friend of mine last weekend. I keep it like everyone here is being very reasonable and polite and fine. Like you walk, I take my dog for a walk. And if somebody is coming towards me, I cross the street or they cross the street or we move over and we all stay distanced from each other at the park. Like, and things are going to get back going soon here. Like I really think, mm. especially, you know, cause BC is doing so well um Mm. quebec is doing very badly um out Mm. of the whole country quebec and ontario are still in a pretty bad shape i mean not as bad as the u.s but um bc is doing good and alberta is doing good partly um because we locked down before spring break and in quebec spring break had already happened so people had gone traveling and come back with stuff um, right, and because we have Dr. Bonnie Henry here, who um, is our provincial oh god, I'm gonna get this wrong, our provincial health <laughs> officer or something. Don't like that. fuck it up, Megan. It's on the internet forever. You're gonna get cancelled if you fuck this one up. That'll be it. Um, I don't know if it's possible to cancel me anymore at this point. I feel <laughs> like I've done. i have like, what more could I do? What could I be cancelled <laughs> for at this point? <laughs> Oh shit! Um, um, one so thing Bonnie I do Henry has been like giving like very very clear and strict direction and um, yeah, a provincial health officer. Ha! Um, okay. And and she's great and she's been you know being really clear about social distancing and reminding yep. people not to kind of get too relaxed about it that we still got to keep yeah. it going and we're doing really a lot better and we're flattening the curve but we still got to kind of hold it down. But there's very few new cases in Canada, or sorry, in BC. We haven't had very many deaths here, again, in comparison to other places. 
Yeah. And, you know, once things have calmed down, we can sort of start opening things up again because we know that the hospitals can handle it. And, you know, we're keeping people out. I don't think we should open up the borders again right away, obviously. Great job, guys. You're doing a great job over there, you know. You've done really well. Thanks, Laura. And soon this will be all behind us and it'll just be a bad dream. Are you going to attempt a self-haircut, Laura? Someone asks in the comments if anyone's going to attempt a self-haircut. I will not be attempting a self-haircut. As you can Too see, my hair is getting long and pretty, like, dry at the ends. and yeah. But, no, there's no fucking way I'm fucking with my hair. Yeah, so, okay, for everyone that doesn't know, we're forcing Megan to get on Tinder if nope. enough people join Patreon, nope. she will get a t- <laughs> she <laughs> we will bribe her with Patreon signups. How many people have to join Patreon for you to get on Tinder? What if we doubled <laughs> Patreon? Would you get on Tinder? <laughs> yeah, but I mean that's a bit unrealistic. I, I just don't like I don't okay, okay, you guys, here is what we're talking about. So we decided that I want Megan to join online dating. As like a quarantine slash the same drugs experiment. So I'm going to set up some accounts later tonight when we're doing our Patreon only live stream. But I was like, I'm not going on Tinder because I think that Tinder is disgusting. If this is an experiment, Tinder is the best place to start. Look at gross people being gross. (laughs) I don't, I mean, I, I'll, everyone on there is like a desperate loser. No, That's I shouldn't right. say that. I'm sorry, everyone. I know, I know, I know people who've met on Tinder who are not disgusting I met my losers. boyfriend on Tinder. I mean, we met outside didn't. of, no, like we matched on Tinder, forgot about it and, yeah. and like met many months later and was like, oh, you're that person. But, okay, here is, um, okay, Lauren says Hinge is very good. I've heard that. So I'm going to go on Hinge and Bumble, and then I was listening to the Ship podcast today, and then I, I signed up for Ship because I think that um, on Ship you can, your friends right. can swipe on people for you, so your friends I can like, you choose saying... people for you to connect with, and I thought that Laura would enjoy that. So Yeah, I thought you were saying the word shit, but she's saying the word ship like a boat, ship. And, oh, okay. And, um, yes. Sure. Yeah. So I also downloaded Ship. So um, we're both going to go on Ship, and I'm going to select dates <laughs> again. She's going and obviously, if you join she's, Patreon, just been... uh, you can also yeah select dates for Megan. Until I decide I don't want to do this anymore, which might be tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but my thing is not like I totally get I that know. people meet people online and that you know whatever a lot of people do this i get it it's not just me being like old or whatever it's that Mm -hmm. i i'm never gonna go on a date with a random person that i meet online like never no what if they're really hot really smart how would you know though because you're just that's the thing is that i feel like if you're just looking at somebody's uh, profile on a dating app they might seem hot and cool and then in real life might be like a, a giant loser and they might just have really flattering yes. photos up there and they might have like good text game but not everyone that has good text game is good in real life sometimes they're super boring like yes sometimes people are really good at interacting online and yes. then in real life they're weird and awkward 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. And a lot of people are like that on Tinder because they've been in the Tinder cycle for like a really long time. So they have worked out the Tinder game of like what kind of messages to send, what to say, what photos to use. Uh, that's kind of part of the, that's kind of part of why it's funny. Um, but uh, yeah, people are saying you should just date Benjamin. So that's pretty Yeah, somebody too. said <laughs> that they should set me and Benjamin up on ship and then... <laughs> <laughs> or Megan can just date Benjamin. I don't think that's going to happen, you guys. Did um, anyone see the interview with Megan and... No! What's his hey, no. Okay, let's move on. <laughs> this is the end of this conversation, everyone. We'll talk more about it on Patreon, um, where I guess I'm going to sign up for these stupid apps. My point... I, my, I just want to finish my point around not dating somebody random. Like, if, if I met somebody online who I also kind of like part knew in real life. I just, and I just, I find that first of all, I don't have a problem meeting people in real life. I meet lots of people in real life. I, I'm, I'm not stressed about meeting someone in real life. Yes. I like building chemistry in real life. I don't have time to chat with somebody online. It doesn't compel me. Like I'm not compelled by chatting back and forth. It just irritates me. I'm just like, oh, leave yeah, me yeah. alone because I, I have so much online already. Do you know what I mean? That it's not yeah. like, if, I think that if I was bored and not, maybe my job wasn't online, I wasn't online so much, then maybe I might find that fun. But as it stands right now, I don't find it fun. I find it irritating and and I just don't I don't yeah. build chemistry with people that way I just get bored like even with people that like I chat with on if I were to chat with somebody on messenger Instagram or email who I was actually into like who I've met before like it's hard for me to even keep that up. like there has yeah. to be an in real life aspect for me yeah I also while we're talking about dating yeah. wanted to complain about a few things somebody on our our twitter account started a poll and the poll asked the question the same drugs on on twitter who's worse did you see this poll laura yeah 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 okay who's worse the couples posting quarantine cuddling photos or the people posting photos of themselves social distancing and this was a manipulative question it wasn't sincere at all because i had this like I had an M.O. And, like, I oh, I What's your like, M.O.? Well, fuck, all these, like, why are you posting photos of you and your partner cuddling on Instagram that are, like, quarantine couple? Like, who, who wants to look at that photo? I personally don't understand any of the showboating that goes on on social media. So oh. I'm not going to be able to relate. Like, I don't get the, look at me in my new bikini. Like, or, or no, like, look at me in my bikini with a Gandhi quote. Like, just acknowledge that you are thirst trapping, that you want attention. Like, fine. But yes. don't, like, act like you're doing it for, like, the group's good. I'm here to help people. Like, no, you're not. You're looking for attention. Just I know. Accept it. It's fine that you're looking for attention. Just be honest about it. It's the lie. That's exactly what yeah. annoys me about this too, is that it's pretending to be something that it's not. So they're yeah. like using the quarantine as an excuse to post couple photos. And first of all, literally no one on the planet gives a shit about you and your partner cuddling. Like I nobody, nobody looks asked. at that photo and thinks, 
Oh, cute. That's nice. Like, does that, do you, are you posting that thinking you're going to make somebody else happy or that you're sharing important <laughs> information about your life? It's like, everyone knows you have a boyfriend. So like, it's just bragging that you're in a couple and pretending as though it's, I don't know what it, even it's pretending it is. I mean, it's sort of imagining that other people want to see this. And I don't know what you like, are you trying to make other people feel bad who aren't cuddling with somebody in quarantine? Like, is mm. that because the, then I think you're kind of shitty. Mm. And otherwise, you're just kind of, I don't know, self-absorbed. It's interesting. Um, it's interesting people posting their relationships on social media. It's extremely contentious. Like, how much should you post? Obviously, people in relationships want to be acknowledged on social media like that's a big thing right like do you put your relationship status do you put photos up like what do you put um that's a whole contentious thing but the thing around like just kind of showing off your relationship I mean you have to be honest with yourself you're doing that usually to kind of validate that the relationship exists and so that makes me question like you're not doing that for the public good firstly so that like that's out of the question if you're doing if you're doing something for public good it would be about other people not about your relationship so you're doing it for the relationship so like what is it that's missing in your relationship that you need the relationship to be validated by the internet for it to feel I don't know secure or better or valid like what is it about the internet validating your relationship that feels a need for you yeah I mean I agree with you so I wonder I wonder what purpose it serves I mean first of all you know people who post a lot on Instagram like daily or kind of more than one post a day I sort of I find that a little bit odd, but sometimes it's just cluelessness. Like sometimes it's obvious narcissism and sometimes it's, you know, part of someone's job. Like I don't, I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't know some, some people have good posts. I don't want to say it it always, always bothers me if somebody posts every day, but if it's Mm -hmm. sort of like mundane and dull Mm. and like, you know, like you're posting photos of your fucking latte every day, it's like, Mm. come on, stop. But the posting couple photos constantly, I just feel like it's sort of, it's bragging. And I don't know if the people doing it think that that's not transparent or what. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and sometimes it does make me wonder if you're insecure about your relationship. Again, I don't think this is universally applicable because I think there are people who are happy in their relationship who are just over posters and don't realize that it's like weird behavior. But, um... Some of them, I think that it's overcompensating. Like people, people who talk too much about their relationships online too, I find odd. Like, I don't know if you have ever followed that Amanda Knox person on Twitter. She's like this major trans activist and she's obviously incredibly insecure. Mm. Um, And I think she has a really terrible relationship because all she does is talk about how great her relationship is on Twitter to her many, many followers and in a really fake way. Like you can Mm -hmm. see that the quotes that she's using, like, oh, today my partner 
came over and asked if I wanted some soup. And I said, hey, babe, like whatever it is that she's invented is so obviously phony. It doesn't sound natural. It doesn't sound like the way any person or couple would interact. She's just inventing these things to try to convince the public that she has this incredible relationship with her partner who trans and also they've they've trans their child as well. And she's oh. really, she's really a, a, t- a terribly irritating person and incredibly nerdy but um (laughs) you know so she's one of those people who who i think just like constantly is trying to reinforce like how great her life is and my family's so good and my relationship is so great you guys yeah Um, it it we're not we don't buy it hey like people are very people are so much more savvy to bullshit on social media than i think people generally realize like if you're not being authentic, we know how to read it. Like we've seen so much of it over the years that people have been using Facebook and Instagram that it's like we know when you're doing something to like you're, you're doing a big post about how in love you are because you probably just had like a big fight or something. Like it's transparent as fuck and it's not really, it's not heartwarming. It's like, can you take this to your therapist instead of taking it to fucking social media? Like we don't want to see it. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, in general, the overuse and overposting online is, is it, it's, it seems almost like an addiction for some people. Like they're addicted to the, uh, I mean, I, so that poll (laughs) was sort of insincere because it doesn't, it was like, What's worse, like the the couples posting cuddling photos or the people posting like social distancing, mm-hmm. socializing photos. Mm. And actually more people voted for the social distancing people. And I was really upset because I thought that I had like wow. a guaranteed outcome, guaranteed outcome in my favor. I mean, it was almost 50-50. It was 45-55. And I mean, one aspect about the social media socializers, I think, is that I mean, this is how it impacts me anyway. So I assume that it impacts other people in this way. Is Mm. it kind of like it kind of gives you FOMO when you shouldn't be having FOMO. Like one of the greatest reliefs Mm. of the lockdowns and quarantine is that I'm I'm free and liberated Mm -hmm. from the FOMO chains, which have Mm. held me down and stressed me out for decades now. Like mm-hmm. and forced me to socialize probably more than I should because I'm so scared of missing out on something. And, and so, so now I'm like oh, bringing God. it back. Yeah, I don't. But then people are posting about hanging out, and I'm like, wait, are you guys still hanging out? Like, I want to hang out. I thought we were all not hanging out, so I could just relax at home and be secure in the fact that I'm not missing out on anything. But okay, so when are they hanging out? Is this pre-quarantine hanging out? What's no when? no. So how are they hanging out? Like they're just not following the isolation rules? Or? Um, it'll be like a photo of somebody in the yard that's like at an appropriate distance or okay. at the park okay. at an appropriate distance or like okay. out and about at an appropriate distance. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I don't think that that's ba- that bad because people are doing it. And that's the kind of thing you yeah. post online. Like oh, what do you, like, the kinds of things that I feel like are acceptable to post online are like pictures of you and your friends doing fun things, pictures of cute animals. Um <laughs> Funny things. Anything that's things. funny gets a pass. Mm-hmm. 
Like you can you can post a photo of you and your partner cuddling if it's funny somehow. Like if it's a joke, mm. like you both look ugly or something like yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Remember how everyone or was there's a funny like, story attached. Remember the first photo of when we were dating thing that was happening for a while and everyone was po- posting their first like our first photo as a couple, that was like a trend. Did you see that? Maybe you did. Oh, yes. Yes. Okay. okay, so the 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 first couple photo challenge. Our first photo. Right. I, I thought that was actually kind of funny because, like, our, my first proper photo with my boyfriend, we did one of those, like, pregnancy shoots, you know, when they you put your hand on the belly, like, like with a love heart. Obviously, I wasn't pregnant. We were just being fucking idiots. Uh, but one of my friends was pregnant so we were like let's do a pregnancy shoot and that was our first proper photo and I was like but I'm still not going to share it because I just I just don't want to be annoying like people are already in quarantine people already dealing with like the frustrations of not being able to like go out into the world and do it I'm not going to be more annoying on top of the already annoying circumstances that we're in (laughs) yeah don't add to the annoyingness yeah Okay. Um, here's uh, my question. My neighbor's daughter is newly dating a boy. They're 19 slash 20. I know she's meeting him, but I thought this was a no-no. It is a no-no. It's definitely mm-hmm. a no-no. You're not allowed to see people that you're dating. Like people seem Outside to think that there's bubble. some kind of, even adults seem to think that there's some yeah. kind of yeah. exemption on this. And it actually drives me crazy. I think we talked about this last week, didn't we? Or Everyone's just been complaining about it all week and I'm getting I it all mixed up. I okay. think most people think like they're the exception and it's like this is the whole point of the lockdown. Everyone thinks that like, oh, it's just me going to the beach. Oh, it's just me that's going to grab a coffee. It's like, yeah, it's just you and three million other people. That's why they have to shut everything down. Like that's well, why we have to do these blanket rules. It's like they don't understand what the rule is and why the rule exists. Like the lockdown is to prevent the spread of disease. The lockdown isn't about your relationship. And the other thing <laughs> like that's people... really frustrating is people thinking like, oh, the lockdown's like violating my right to, to my personal freedom and my liberty and da, da, da. And I'm not sick and I'm not immune compromised. So it'll be fine if I go out. And it's like, yeah, but you might be a carrier. Like, don't you get it? You might not have symptoms, but you might still carry it. And therefore, you might come into contact with people who are immune compromised. That's the whole freaking point. Like, it's not about you. It's about other people. It's really, um, maybe this is why it's, uh, they've been able to be quite a bit more effective in collectivist countries. Like in uh, South Korea, they've been really effective. And in Singapore, um, Vietnam, obviously, I mean, that's a communist dictatorship, but, um, well, like, yeah, because collectivist in their thinking, it's not about you. It's about well, everyone. And Canada too, to a certain extent. I mean, cause in America, these protests against the lockdowns are growing and getting big and people are getting angry and there's definitely more people who are showing up to these protests mm-hmm. i think there was one in like ohio what are they going to um, do if they all get sick? here it was 12 people in vancouver it was completely silly and you know i yeah. mean it got some media attention because everyone was so angry because one of the guys who was at the protest posted a video of it on his twitter and you know people were like 
what are you doing? And I mean, it, it, whatever. Again, it was just 12 people. Like, mm-hmm. fine, you do your thing. Um, but the the rationale makes no sense. And same thing with these. Like, I know people who recently started dating before the lockdowns, before mm-hmm. the quarantine, and then continued to see each other even though they don't live together. And the rule mm-hmm. is, yes, if you live together or if you decide to quarantine together, so if somebody is going to come move in with you yeah. and you guys are going to stick it out together and not see other people like you're, yeah. you know, um, then fine. But it's not you live separately, you just started dating and and the excuse from them is like, oh, but we were already dating before this happened. It's like it doesn't matter. That's not how this. That's works. not about. Like, that's not how quarantine. That's not how. Yeah, no, this is not <laughs> like about. We're talking about like how the virus is spread and preventing yeah. the virus. Um, and you know the status of your relationship and when your relationship began and how serious it is, whether or not you're married, even doesn't matter and it's like oh we cannot see each other and it's like yeah you can everyone else is not seeing each other too like that's what pisses me off is yeah when it's like, well we have to see each other and it's like well don't we all have people we have to see i mean yes. we don't have, we don't have to you don't have to actually like i realize that it sucks and it's hard but it's yeah. hard for all of us like all of us are not seeing our families you know i haven't seen any member of my family since this all went down um, you know, I... I'm not hanging out with my friends. I've seen a couple of them for walks, but really, you know, like it's like it's it's hard. Most people are not seeing other people, and it's hard. And we all have people that we love and miss and feel mm-hmm. like pain. You know, it's painful to not see the mm-hmm. people that we love and we're close to. You're not the only fucking one. This is a crazy thing for me. I don't like uh, evoking the white privilege argument or the privilege argument in general, but I just feel like if a quarantine period in your cushy apartment is the worst experience and a trauma and it's so painful that you've got to take to the streets and protest and pretend that it's about civil liberties but it's actually just about your comfort for some of those people um then really you're a very fucking privileged person and (laughs) if this is the worst thing you've been through fuck you should be really glad about that like use this as an opportunity to be like wow life isn't comfortable all the time that is part of the human condition and how lucky am I that this quarantine period is the worst thing I've ever been through that puts me in like the top one percent of the human race you know what I mean? Yes. Well, and that, yeah, exactly. And that's exactly what I felt about the people in Canada who are mm. complaining about the lockdowns, pretending that this is about, you know, authoritarianism, mm. um, comparing this to like a police state, yeah. um, engaging in all these conspiracy theories. I'm less concerned about the people who are genuinely concerned about civil liberties than the ones who are tying this concern about civil liberties to conspiracy theories that are mm-hmm. insane and ridiculous, you know. Mm. Um, but like, it's like, you live in Canada, like if you lived in another country, <clears throat> Um, where you weren't getting government support, where you couldn't go outside and walk around, where people were getting arrested mm. or harassed um, for going out, where you were in poverty, you didn't have any food, 
Um, you know, the migrant workers in India are in a really horrible situation now because they're not able to go home. Um, the lockdowns yeah. happened when they were yeah. away and they're not letting them go home and they don't have money and they don't have food. Um, and I think that they're starting to riot and, and protest. So, like, good for them. But that's not what's going on in Canada. You guys are just regular middle or upper class people mm. um, who have homes and, you know, have money and have access to food. You're a lot. You can go to the park, you know, like the parks yeah. here are not closed. Um, you can go for a walk. You can do whatever you want to do. I mean, not whatever you want to do. You can't go to a restaurant or a bar. Yeah. Open. You can't go to work. You can't go to school. But, you know, like the the climate here is okay. You know, there's no police yeah. patrolling the streets and harassing people. They're not showing up at the park by myself yeah. and hassling people. You know, it's just not what's going down. This is the problem with the conspiracy theories, though, and this is why conspiracy theories have become dangerous because they're actually spreading misinformation that, one, this is a hoax, so it's actually not real, and then they come up with all these conspiracy theories as to who's plotted this and what they're trying to gain from it. And then, two, the other theories they have is that the testing is mostly false positives and that the treatments are uh, not actually effective. So basically people who start buying into the narratives that are building around the conspiracy theory are basically saying the whole thing is just fake and the way we're dealing with it is entirely wrong. So therefore this is actually uh, encroaching on my civil liberties and my freedoms for a totally false, like for a hoax, for something that doesn't actually exist. So that's why they see it as like encroaching on their civil liberties because they don't actually believe that it's real. Um, so yeah. that's a problem. Yeah, definitely. They're spreading misinformation and bad information because <clears throat> it's not, I mean, they're still sort of buying into this narrative. I mean, they're claiming that the, the numbers of cases and deaths are overblown um, mm -hmm. and you know, they're also, you know, they're like the flu kills people every yes. year. This is just like another flu. They're the people who buy into the herd immunity thing where they're saying just let everybody out so everybody catches corona and then they become immune to the disease. Mm -hmm. And we don't know for sure that that's what's going to happen. I right. mean, we think that's true, that if you get it, then you're immune. But we don't actually know because there's people who are getting reinfected and they're still doing tests around that to see if it's like a new strain yeah. um, or whatever. But, you know, we don't have enough information to know that that's, that's certain and that will work and this is the this is the thing that will overwhelm the hospitals right so if yeah. we're a whole bunch of people are getting infected all at once the hospitals won't be able to take care of all of them all mm -hmm. of the people who end up in hospital and you know at first we thought it was just older people and people with mm -hmm. lung conditions and weakened immune systems who are at risk but then we've seen young people die you know there are people in their yeah. 30s who've died um, yeah. And I don't I think that's a really unreasonable thing to say, like, oh, just let people get it. Some people will die. People die from the flu anyway. And it's like, well, sure. But we, we have flu shots for a reason because we don't want people to die from the flu. They wouldn't be saying that if it was them that was dying. And they and I also believe that if if governments were more, I don't know, lapse about it and just sort of said, oh, everyone just do what you want and we'll just work it out for ourselves 
people would be horrified that the government is being negligent and the government is not taking responsibility and the government is not fulfilling its role in governing the population and upholding, you know, citizenship rights and da-da-da-da-da. So the same people, I feel like, that are uh, creating this huge backlash, which is creating conspiracy theories, which is creating protests, which is creating people not complying, are probably the same people who would be the most outspoken about why are the governments not protecting us? Why aren't the governments testing more? Why aren't the governments coming up with more effective medicines? Like, you, on mean, the one hand... A lot of them are the anti-vaxxer people and the anti-big pharma people. So they're saying, you know, they're the people who think that... So what, essential oils are going to fucking save us? Like, what do they think is going to work? Probably some essential oils. (laughs) (laughs) Crystals? Like, get real. I I don't want to, like, I don't know. Like, I, I know a lot of women who are opposed to big pharma and i'm in many ways opposed to big pharma i think that big pharma is awful and they care way more about profit than they do about people and they sell people drugs that are really harmful so i don't want to diss all those people um because i think and you know like i kind of you know there's like i do i use natural healing techniques where i can i mean if it doesn't work then i go to the doctor and i'll i'll Mm -hmm. happily get vaccines and flu shots or whatever mm-hmm. but i you know i do try tea tree oil first <laughs> and like <laughs> garlic <laughs> but this and is there's a lot of i mean it's just that there's a more holistic approach like it doesn't have to be either or yes. you know like having a healthy immune system is a really really big deal and that's actually a big part of the reason why i think as a doctor and a, and a scientist and an expert why i think that you know vancouver and bc is doing better in Canada than other provinces because Vancouver is one of the healthiest cities in the entire world. And BC is the healthiest province in the country. um, Mm -hmm. And Vancouver is the healthiest city in the country. And people in Vancouver, as annoying as they are, and as much as I hate them, um, Mm. they're really into fitness and they're really into health. Mm. We have way less smokers and heavy drinkers here than in other countries and in other provinces. Mm-hmm. Um, people are really into outdoor activity. Yeah. And we go outside a lot. Mm. Um, and so, and that, that, that plays a really big role in health and yeah. in strengthening our immune systems. And so okay. I, I, I think that must factor in because we know that, for example, black Americans are at a higher risk mm-hmm. um, of complications from mm-hmm. COVID. And that's because of poverty, right? And because right. you have to go to work. You don't have money. You have to go to work. You're yeah. probably living in a more densely populated area. You don't have yeah. access to healthy food. You know, you don't have a healthy lifestyle. And that's yeah. that's a lot to do with America and how America is and what America sells mm-hmm. to its people as far as like food and their, you know, privatized healthcare system and things like that. But it also... Um, yeah, it, it just has to do with poverty. And so more socialized countries, countries that have yeah. universal health care, um, where we have access to healthy food and healthy lifestyles, as we do here, are going to be better equipped to, to fight viruses like this. Here's the thing, though. Okay, this has brought up a, a huge debate around really socialism versus capitalism. And that's a really great conversation to have um, because it's one that we we need to um, 
renegotiate under the conditions that we're living in in 2020, which are totally different to the conditions that previous debates around socialism and capitalism have occurred under. But the thing that really pisses me off about people with their conspiracy theories is that it seems like their baseline assumption is that we're all fucking stupid and we don't understand the um, benefits to building your immune system in healthy ways, in natural ways, in holistic ways. They think that we're not capable of thinking critically about traditional media. They think that we don't understand that there's usually uh, power plays, political maneuvers happening behind the scenes. Like they think we're all fucking idiots and that they need to like shake us and wake us up. Like we know we know that there are like power plays going on. We know that there are people trying to exploit power and make a profit from this situation. We know that we have to be aware of civil liberties. Like generally people are not fucking stupid. Like treating us as though we're act <laughs> some people but this is the thing. The people that are telling us we're fucking stupid, I believe, are actually the people that are the most fucking stupid for assuming that the rest of us need to be told, like, oh, think critically about the media. Like, don't believe everything the media... What are you, fucking eight? Like, we know. We know to think critically about the media, you dumb fuck. Like, God. Yeah, it's so I know. It's so infantilizing. It's very... I know. This is what pisses me off the most about it, too, is that it's very condescending and Ooh. it positions yourself you know as the person touting this conspiracy theory and saying you know the media is lying the government's lying you guys are all sheeple you know like you're just like swallowing all this propaganda and it's We're like so do not fucking talk to me about this shit like my job is to think critically this is uh -huh. what i've always done i can't even help it you know i i am the person who says things like no, I don't believe all women because I'm going to ask questions and I want to look into this for myself before I decide. I want to look at the data. Yeah, well, and I want to, you know, like, no, I'm not just going to believe what someone tells me on the internet ever. If somebody mm -hmm. tweets something, I don't buy it. I'm going to mm -hmm. look for evidence. Like, that is what mm -hmm. I do for a living, right? Mm -hmm. Like, And, you know, I, I, have, I have read you know, countless articles about this. And I have read the data and I've looked at mm -hmm. all these different sides and I listen to different news. Like I listen to, and I read right-wing news and I read left-wing news. Like I listen to Noam Chomsky yeah. and then I'll look at Fox news and listen to, you know what, like Shapiro is saying, like, I'm, I'm thinking about this. Yeah. 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 I'm listening to what Trump is saying for fuck's sake. Like, I've read I, Charles know, like, Eisenstein's fucking essay i'm not a dipshit like i am capable of thinking the other thing is like as someone who's studied statistics and you know i don't know how many years i've spent studying statistics it's really frustrating for people to be like well you know don't believe the studies some statistics can be manipulated you probably don't understand how research works like, no i've only got three degrees and spent 12 fucking years studying statistics like stop telling people that they're dumb and don't believe the research and don't believe everything you read actually most of the time if something's published in a highly rated journal particularly one that's like quantitatively based you generally can look at what they've published and and take it 
on as potentially something that's very valid and useful. I, I don't get the thing about like all research is skewed. Like, where where is this shit coming from? Yeah, and I mean, and and that that approach, like, so that arguing that you know everyone is buying proper propaganda and they're not thinking critically, and you're the only mm-hmm. one thinking critically, and therefore they should all listen to you. Like, it's very manipulative because a lot of those people are trying to buy build platforms on that basis. Mm-hmm. So a lot of these people who are selling these conspiracy theories and this hyperbole and telling people that this is all like some secret plot to implant just follow me and subscribe to find out how yeah subscribe to my youtube channel um and you know i i feel that they're in some ways not all of them but you know some of them those are the manipulators like it's like do you buy your own hype um like do you really think that you're smarter than everybody else than all Mm -hmm. of these experts and all of these scientists Mm -hmm. than all of us who are who are reading all this stuff and thinking about it you know it's not black and white. It's not one or the other. It's not mm-hmm. trust everything uncritically and buy everything you read. You can still ask questions, but at the same time, you can still be safe. And conspiracy theories, for the most part, are silly, you know, mm-hmm. like, and, and, you know, a lot of what's called a conspiracy theory is not necessarily, necessarily a conspiracy theory, because we know that the higher ups are working against us. And that in many cases, you know, like, people in power are acting without our consent and not sharing information with of us course. as we've witnessed uh from china and the who for example yeah. <laughs> but that's yeah. not a conspiracy it's like you know if you look at you know, like there was a cover-up there was a cover-up in china and then who is is taking information from China? The Chinese government sh- can't be trusted. I don't know. Is, mm-hmm. Am I going to get shut down now? Is all of a sudden the internet going to get cut out now that I said that? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know, and and who is who? The who is uh, providing bad information as a result? And I guess some mm-hmm. people could call that a conspiracy theory. Um, it is a cover up, and it's. Here's so, the thing, like organizations have to protect their legitimacy. There, and so for, yes, there are power plays going on, like organizational power is a really complex thing and there's reason that politics happen in organizations and between organizations and certainly organizations are constantly working to protect their legitimacy and credibility with the public. So any time that something that they have said or done comes into question, they'll be making moves to justify themselves. They'll be making moves to legitimise something they've said, even if they might now disagree with it with new information, changing their position would see them positioned as illegitimate. So they need to reinforce their position. So there's reasons that it's happening. It's not just like, oh, like the New World Order and the Illuminati are all out to get us and in in fucking cahoots with the who. It's more like there's issues going on with the fact that we were really unprepared. We really didn't have our fucking ducks in a row for this. Like, it's not the New World Order trying to take us out with who. It's more like they're probably fucked up. And they're really trying to cover their tracks and like keep shit in order so that their whole organization doesn't turn to shit, which is well, understandable. Well, they just got defunded by Trump, so they might be fucked. I don't know. I don't know. I, I feel conflicted about that because I know people who support 
uh, Trump's decision to defund the WHO. And I actually, I get it myself, but um, I mean, that, that seems intense, but I feel that, that the World Health Organization did really fuck us over. I mean, we didn't like Canada, you know, Trudeau and, and everyone else who was supposed to be, you know, providing us with important, accurate information about mm-hmm. coronavirus was giving us really bad information for a really, really long time and mm-hmm. kept saying Canada is low risk, Canada's low risk, Canada's low risk, um, you know, until early March. And by then it was too late. And I don't think that those people were, were trying to dick us around. It's that they were taking all their information from who and who refused to call it a pandemic. Um, and really? I didn't actually know that. I'm sure. Yeah. I mean, I, I just did, a, I've been doing a bunch of research about it because I've been trying to write an article about it and, you know, they did, they did call it a health emergency, but they didn't call it a pandemic so. until mid March. And so the reason that we were all getting this information and, and, and being told that it was low risk was because that's what the World Health Organization was telling us. Mm. Um, so I do think that they need to be held accountable. Um, mm. somebody, but that people... doesn't make conspiracy theorists right. <laughs> no, the conspiracy theorists, I mean, it's like, you know, like they're getting this information from the lizard people guy, right? Like yeah. David. Exactly. Is it Ike? How do you even say his last name? Ike? I Ike? assumed it was Ick. I Ick? could be wrong. Yeah, I don't actually know. But uh, that's where this whole 5G thing comes from. It's because yes. he posted on YouTube saying that, you know, this was all a plot. Um, it's all part of this, like, Bill Gates, like, yeah. trying to microchip us all kind of thing. And, I mean, it's like, okay, yeah, this one crazy man on YouTube definitely see, has more but, valid information than all of these other scientists and experts. But to your point and, about um, people trying to build followings, this is, the, this is a perfect opportunity for a lot of these so-called health experts that, who are self-proclaimed experts on Instagram and YouTube to build a following, to be like, I have an alternative narrative and I know the truth and just subscribe to me and you can trust me because right now for people, there's like people are losing trust in the very foundations of their understanding of the world and how trustworthy life is like life in itself. It's like an existential crisis in a lot of ways. So it's like the perfect time to prey on people and be like, you can't trust anyone except me and build your little cult following that way. Um, and I think that's really dangerous. And they and they kind of wrap it in this language of, oh, but I'm just, you know, I'm just thinking critically. I'm just asking questions. I'm just, you know, holding people in power to account for their actions. It's like, yeah, you are, but you're also being an opportunist in the same way that you're you're telling other people they're being opportunistic, but you're actually doing it too by spreading conspiracies, spreading misinformation, spreading things that aren't evidence-based and saying, oh, but like maybe they are evidence-based. Like maybe we should just, maybe empiricism isn't even real. You know what I mean? So they're trying to undermine the very basic logic of like what is an evidence-based fact in order to justify themselves and verify themselves. Right. And I mean, it is, it it has some some legitimate roots because the media is biased and is untrustworthy Mm -hmm. and they've failed to do their jobs effectively. And the media is disappearing before our eyes um, as 
print media shifted to online media and people can't yeah. make money and everyone's getting laid off. So people don't, there's no fact, fact checkers anymore and yeah. people can't do investigative journalism. So, you know, it's legitimate in a lot of ways and, and we should all be thinking critically. And unfortunately people have sort of used the trans thing to say like, Oh, well we shouldn't buy into any media and we shouldn't be listening to any experts because look at all these people who are saying that, transgender ideology is legitimate and there is some kind of trans gene and look wait at i thought we were talking about covid talking about yeah, transgender people have used the trans oh they've uh, used both the of way them. that the media and institutions and experts and politicians have glommed on to trans ideology to say mm. megan like you're being dumb for not questioning this narrative around covid like what if somebody told you you know like a man is literally a woman like they're making that comparison and saying you can't trust the media on this issue so why are you trusting the media on this issue really Um, but to me it's like well the reason that i don't buy trans ideology is because it makes no sense anyway this is an entirely (laughs) different topic but somebody (laughs) says yo let's talk about trauma and climber yeah, um, yes, 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 yes. Because I don't know this, so you're going to have to introduce me as well as everyone else to this. Okay, so I mean, this is amusing to me in a number of ways. So Charles Clymer was a male feminist, and he ran a page. He's such a weirdo, creep, narcissist. Mm-hmm. But he ran a Facebook page, Women for Equality, in like 2014, And he got canceled because he was, like, verbally abusive to a ton of women on the page um, and was, like, kicking female moderators off the page Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, generally being the way that male feminists are, which Mm -hmm. is that they're actually, you know, power mongers and not feminists at all. They just like to go around announcing that they're feminists so that they can talk over women and yeah. get attention and maybe get laid. I don't know. How much of a following did he have? Just big. It was a big page. It was a big page. And he had Millions, a big Twitter following. Hundreds of thousands? Um, hundreds of thousands, I would say. Okay. So he got cancelled. Um, and he was just like a laughing stock. Everyone was like, Charles Clymer is a jerk. He's a joke. Like, this is the problem with male feminists. Mm-hmm. Male feminists. Um, mm-hmm. And a few years later, Charles Clymer reemerged as a woman. He must have been so excited when all this trance stuff really take. He's like, oh, I know. I know how I can come back. And everyone, all these dumbass liberals. He's American, right? So most of his yeah. following was American. They're Democrats. They're liberals. Um, and he's reemerged as this, like, big liberal Democrat, Hillary-loving, Biden-loving, uh, pro-abortion women's rights but now he's a lady so no one can fucking criticize him ever so he's erased oh, wow. his entire past and this is I mean this is one of the problems with this whole dead naming thing where you're not allowed to talk yes. about a trans person's past. previous identity like um, pre-transition you can't even Fuck, say that's a name, great way to wipe the right? slate so clean no one is allowed to say oh well charles clymer was an abusive piece of shit when back when he was charles clymer and a male feminist because it's like a crime of epic proportions to talk about the fact that he was ever charles clymer wow brave and stunning what's his new name and he's so ugly 
What's his name? <laughs> like as when he returned, he there was like this big interview with him when he came back as a as Charlotte. Um, Charlotte, and like his makeup is so bad and is stupid. He's just such an ugly lady, man. But anyway, so <sighs> what's happened now? Is that he's getting recanceled? This is what oh. I, this is what I love about cancel culture. Actually, is they all just keep canceling themselves. It's like yeah, it never ends. Trans, we love you. <laughs> oh, you love Biden. We hate you. So he came out in support of Biden, and Biden has been accused of sexual assault like eight hundred years ago by this crazy woman online. That's oh, my own okay. bad opinion. <laughs> okay, I don't think it's a bad opinion. But this is going to be controversial I then. Don't give a fuck. Also, I'm not American, so. So wait, so he's being cancelled because he supports Biden, and Biden's being cancelled by some feminists. They're trying to. They're trying to cancel Biden because there's this allegation that he sexually assaulted this woman who's working it for an aide for him like okay. 20 year, 27 years ago. 27 years ago, and all of a sudden oh, wow. she comes out. And is like, oh, you sexually assaulted me 27 years ago. And it's kind of like, okay. Wow. Talk about timing. Yeah, it is interesting timing. But, um, so, so what's he doing? So, so Climber comes out and tweets in support of Biden and says, I believe Biden. And all of a sudden, the entire liberal so- social justice warrior internet comes down on him and is like, Climber is an asshole. We hate Climber. He's like an abuser, supporter, and cancel, 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 cancel. And I'm like, you guys, he already got canceled. You guys are all such fucking retards. So this is like you let him back in only because he identified as trans. He's still the same abusive, narcissistic, terrible person he's always been. He's such a phony. Like it's just remind me. What was he first cancelled for? Because I've already forgotten. For being abusive on this feminist Facebook page to okay. other women. Verbally okay. abusive. I mean, okay. he's, a, he's, he's a phony. He's a phony. He's a power yeah. monger. He seeks power and then, um, and he's manipulative. He's, I, I mean, I don't, you you probably know what a narcissist actually is. I call, call mm-hmm. people narcissists all the time and everyone calls everybody else narcissists. So mm-hmm. I'm sure that it's something more than whatever we're saying it is, but he's, he's obsessed. He's obsessed with power and attention mm. and he's, he'll do whatever he has. He, he's a total phony. He's completely mm. two faced. I mean, he phony. might be a narcissist. You know, one really interesting thing is that people who um, present for uh, w- with gender dysphoria, wanting um, whatever psychiatric services in order to, uh, receive sex reassignment surgery, they have far, far higher rates on narcissism than the general population. Like, for example, the, in the general population, we would expect people who meet the criteria for narcissistic personality disorder to be maybe up to like 5% at the most. For people who are presenting for sex reassignment evaluation, it's like up to 50% meet the criteria for narcissistic personality disorder. So that is a fucking huge difference. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So there may be some validity to that. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense um, Mm -hmm. to me because 
you know, it's like you're so obsessed with your own self that you think that it makes you an entirely different being. Like your personality is so important that other people have to validate your internal feelings and talk about you all the time and focus on you and look at look at you and like you know these people are such self-censored self-centered there's um that's actually i was thinking about that in relation to gender identity more broadly like people who think that they're they're feeling about gender which really we can't put a label on it could be a feeling about body dysmorphia it could be it could be a whole range of things we don't really know but anyway their dissatisfaction with something inside of themselves which could actually be more like existential angst and just the normal human condition but they think that it's so fucking important that the whole world has to change to focus on them like that is at its core narcissistic. So yeah, that's why it's so unsurprising to me. Like these dudes often will claim their, you know, partners are these horrible abusive people because they don't want to go along with their transition. And meanwhile, it's like mm. your wife married a man. People are asking, uh, where is the research on gender identity and narcissism? So the research on gender identity and narcissism, interestingly, does not come out of North America. Um, there is a number of studies done that happened before everyone became woke about transphobia. Um, there's studies done in like South Korea. Iran has a really good one. I think there are some in Scandinavia. And basically what they did is they, um, for people that were coming in and presenting to psychiatrists wanting Uh, assessment for sex reassignment surgery they basically just assess them on narcissism borderline personality and some other like clinical scales and also for uh, gender dysphoria and so they were able to show a very very strong link between gender dysphoria and certain elements of personality disorders um narcissism was one of the strongest ones so if you look up um even if you just look up on google scholar like um, transgender and uh, narcissism studies, you'll probably find they're mostly outside of North America and they are pre like 2010 when the whole conversation shifted and everyone decided they were woke about transphobia. Um, But there's some really good studies on it. And they're just, you know, they're just correlating between uh, people's gender dysphoria and people's uh, outcome on a scale for narcissism. It's a, it's a pretty basic study study and it's, you know, there's some value in that, in knowing that information at least. So we could perhaps look at how valid is the gender identity movement as a whole, if these people are potentially personality disordered. And so perhaps we need to take that into account before making laws that enshrine that we all have to abide by what these people believe. And that's the whole thing with people with personality disorders is that you can never win. You will never appease someone with a personality disorder. No amount of saying sorry, saying yes, you're right, I'm sorry, I'm wrong, you're correct, you're the good one. You're just digging the hole deeper. That's the whole thing with personality disorders is like you got to set boundaries, say no, I'm buying out, I'm not interested, I'm not a part of this. 
And Canada has just fucked it because you've all, <laughs> you've, <laughs> you've said sorry, you're right to a group of people with personality disorders and you'll never get them off that bandwagon of believing that, like, we're right now, the law says so. Well, yeah, and it's interesting. I mean, yeah, you're totally right. Um, and it's interesting because the, you know, the queer movement, the trans movement, and when I say the queer movement, I'm not talking about gays and lesbians. I'm talking yeah, about this new exactly. ideology. Just so, yeah. you know, people listening don't get confused about that. Um, this new queer movement that includes everybody and anybody, but is mainly centered around trans and non-binary identity. And then we've got the people with haircuts and piercings and who are polyamorous over there being like, once I was attracted to a girl, I'm married to a man, but I'm queer. I'm queer now. Um, but you know, like these, these, these groups, these activists are the ones who keep insisting that there's more mental illness in the queer and trans communities. And they're not realizing that it's like, okay, so if you want to convince us all and you want us to believe that this particular group is suffering from more mental illness than other populations and other groups, then what does that say? That we should put them in leadership positions and appease them and acquiesce to their every whim. I wasn't trying to Maybe. be mean, even like I wasn't trying to be like. No, I, I don't believe like, that you are either. Making the argument that we're making, which is that I think that probably a large percentage of these people are suffering from mental illness. They're not. Yeah. They're. They're not. They don't have gender dysphoria. They're not transgender. They're struggling with a form of mental illness, and that's not an insult. People genuinely have mental illnesses mental illnesses are real and if your mental illness is that you think that you're trapped in the wrong body and you want to like replace it with a new body then i would argue that that's a form of mental illness and of course and we know there's a ton of research that's been done around trans kids um wherein there's a there's a high percentage of those kids who are autistic Mm, mm -hmm. i mean that's a really controversial statement but I mean, that's something I was talking about the other day around um, kids on the internet getting misinformation about mental health and sharing that misinformation with each other, like in forums and all this shit that they're like on fucking Tumblr and all that about what to say when you go to the psychiatrist so that you can get, um, uh, you can get a, you can meet the criteria for, you know, puberty blockers or whatever it is that you want so that you can effectively be special and not like everybody else. Like we're creating, and I mean, that's a, it's a thing now. Social contagion with gender dysphoria is a whole thing now. So by buying into the narrative of, and here's the thing, people with mental illness still absolutely have um, a valid role to play. Like, I have a huge issue with anxiety. I have PTSD. I have to sometimes tap out of conversations because I know that I'm really not actually grounded and I'm really not capable of participating in a rational or useful way to a conversation. The thing is that we've brought all these people into conversations who really should have tapped out a long time ago. We should have set boundaries and said, you're really not capable of, you know, having a rational discussion about this right now. 
let's like leave this we've brought them into the decision making realm of like oh you're you feel bad you you think you might be traumatized let's make policy around your feelings like you can't do that that's not effective in general for humans that's not healthy you're now basing policy decisions upon people who are generally unstable people that's not a wise way to make policy decisions and yeah exactly and people who have personality disorders and people who are behaving in abusive ways and then using this identity and these these various forms of mental illness and these personal personality disorders in order to prevent you know challenges to them like there's people there's, you know, a, a major trans activist here in Vancouver, I'm not going to name them, but uh, who behaves in incredibly threatening, abusive ways and, and overtly and openly threatens violence and has never called on it by anyone because there's a trans identity. And it's like, there's something yeah. wrong with you. You are a very violent person. You're a scary person. You might be mentally ill. I don't know. Yeah. But yeah. this is unacceptable behavior, especially as a man doing it to a woman. But, um... you know, it's interesting because uh, narcissism has always been a real uh, issue with leadership. I mean, in corporations, it's always been a real issue in the management literature. There's a lot of research around like narcissism in leaders and like narcissists gravitate towards leadership positions. And we have to be. I mean, anyone who's worked in any corporate role will tell you, like, oh, I had that fucking manager once. They were just such an asshole. And you start to get a sense of, like, there's something else going on for this person. It's not just that they're an asshole. There's, like, something seriously wrong. And it's weird because we get that when it comes to, like, corporations and, like, thinking critically about your managers and thinking critically about your government leaders. And yet for some reason, when it comes to social justice, everyone gets a free pass. Like you can be as unstable and as violent and as off the fucking hinges as you want to be, but you get a free pass because it's for social justice. So it's all good. Be a fucking asshole if you want to be, as long as you say it's for the social good of others. Well, yeah, and exactly. And they've managed to frame women and feminists and actual literal women who are helping women who've experienced abuse and violence mm. from males, mm. <clears throat> you know, actually people who are who are working to support women, they've managed to frame those people as violent and abusive and horrible and as Nazis and white supremacists and fascists and so on and so forth. So all of that is justified under you know, the, the umbrella of social justice um, because mm -hmm. they're fighting Nazis and Nazis are the worst. And, you know, if they say that we're Nazis or Vancouver Rape Relief is full of Nazis, I mean, it's a joke, right? But if I they say that, then they're like, well, we have to be violent. And the left the left set this up. And I'll admit fully that I, I, I feel that I participated in this in some way because as I grew up as a leftist, as a Marxist, um, as as part of these groups and, and advocating this ideology, I failed to challenge people who said that if it's a means to an end, it's okay. And the revolution is more important. And I, and I was so stupid and naive. I didn't know what a fucking revolution meant, but like, mm. you know, I was just like a, a kid and I thought it sounded Here's cool. But thing, like, you say like, Oh, well, you know, you have to, these, you ha in order to change this, 
maybe sometimes violence is acceptable and required mm -hmm. and you need extreme means to take down this extreme power right. and you know like if somebody is you know like a capitalist or a nazi or a fascist or a white supremacist or a misogynist mm -hmm then what do you do? You have to use these tools. So now the trans activists have taken these tools that we've given them as the left that we've given them and used it against us. And so we did fuck up and we have to be accountable for that. But here's the thing. It was people like Malcolm X that said that and they said it with good reason. They said it in context where black people were still being treated as slaves. There was still context where apartheid was the accepted... Uh, form of social organization at the time. So, so, so people like that had to bring violence into the equation. Now they're applying it in a context where people who have grown up as male, white, middle class, generally seen, generally privileged, generally kind of the one percent in in terms of global. Uh, you know, in terms of like so economic and income equality, people who are generally at the top of the ladder are evoking the kind of arguments that Malcolm X used. And they're able to do it because people are fucking believing them. Like that's, this, that's the thing. Like people are giving them credit for it as if, oh, my God, you are oppressed as like a white middle-class male who has decided you have gender dysphoria or perhaps you feel really shit about your body or your identity. And it's sh and look, it's shit to feel bad about your body or your identity. It is. But it's not fuck a civil rights violation, for fuck's sake. <laughs> it's not the whole of society trying to organize a way to oppress you and to exclude you from participating in your civil rights. It's not the same fucking thing. Um, okay, so everyone, are we... Do you have more that you would like to say, Laura? I'm sorry, I don't want to... Come. Oh, no, I've had, my, I've had my two cents worth. Um... <laughs> Well, Should so we go talk about Tinder on Patreon? I guess so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to fucking Tinder, though. That's um, okay, so we're going to move to our Patreon live stream on Crowdcast. And the link to Patreon is in the show notes. And yeah. if you sign up, it's just like five bucks a month or whatever you can subscribe with any amount but like the minimum is like five bucks and then you're supporting my work which i really appreciate and you have access to the private live streams that we're doing week weekly for patrons only and yeah. we release content early there and there's my sweet Spotify playlist there. <laughs> <laughs> I actually think it's really good, but I have a very specific kind of taste in music. Yeah, I was interested oh. in the Mariah Carey and stuff. Oh, I love like... Mariah Carey. Dude, no, I've been a Mariah either. Carey fan. I am Mariah I have been like a major Mariah Carey fan since I was like 13, and I still love yeah. her. She's so great. So, yeah, there is Mariah Carey on that playlist, but mostly it's hip hop. Mostly it's like 90s era hip hop, but not all. Yeah. And then it sort of moves into like a soul thing, but you'll get it. You'll get like an insight into my very specific music taste. And I'm like, I'm just going to make a playlist of all the songs that I like. An insight <laughs> into your psyche, basically. 
<laughs> I think um, it's really good. But the other thing is if people sign up to Patreon, that's where we talk about personal things that we don't really share on, on YouTube. So like aspects of our personal life. We're going to talk about uh, people finding out about their partners, potentially people in quarantine realizing mm, that their partners are massive porn users or just generally shit people. That's been happening yeah, to a lot of people right that's now. That's an important one. And I, yeah. yeah, it makes me feel sad. And it honestly makes me feel glad that I'm not in a relationship. And I'm not even saying that as like, it's just like, I've been through that kind of shit before and it's just the worst. And right now you're under so much stress. And anyway, so we're going to talk, talk more about that. And um, I hope you guys come over and join us and tune in next week. We're here every Thursday on the same drugs. I'm Megan Murphy and this is the same drugs. This is Laura McNally. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I was getting at. Um, and yeah you can join us on Instagram Twitter and most importantly Patreon if you want to hear about our personal lives okay bye see you guys soon see you on Patreon thanks for joining